Welcome back to Manchester Rain Radio, the podcast of the Shore Store. I am Steel Saunders, and this podcast delves into the things that inspire our store on 11 Manchester Lane in the city. And this week, I am stoked to finally have on from Itch Pig, uh, Alex and Nate Orton. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good. I am. Um, Thanks for being on. And and who else is I, I shouldn't like I don't wanna ostracize the podcast from the canine community. Who else have we got in there? That's Tex. Tex. Hard to lift up. Oh my god, collect them all. Yeah, collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so doing a bit of research, right? We've been doing yep. the brand for a little bit and we're gonna do this podcast. So I, I was watching a YouTube channel. There is this one show, episode, where there's eight, hey, I'm sure you're all great guys, but bungling fools trying to move this billiard table. It is. It was the most anxious, like there is a lot of anxiety-driven content on YouTube, but I managed to like not watch it. But this billiard table thing, run us through what was going on. <laughs> It was heavy. It was really heavy. We didn't think about how heavy it was and, like, you know, that with billiard tables, there's slates underneath and the slates are kind of, like... They're, like, in pieces. They're yeah. not connected. So, like, as we were lifting it up, one slate would shift and then another slate plate would shift and each slate plate is, like, 50 kilos. So they're all shifting. They're all moving around. We had, like, the younger guys up that end and then the older guys at that end and the weight wasn't well dispersed. And it was just a nightmare. And we had to get it down like cracking old stairs in the factory. So a good did you guys get it up there yourselves or was it there? We got it up there in parts and then we assembled it there and we couldn't be bothered disassembling it and then taking it downstairs in parts and then putting it back together. So we tried to just carry it down as like the legs separate from the top. But we should have we should have just completely pulled everything apart. We got it down though. We did it. But like, we didn't even completely mess the factory up. Like we did a pretty good job. Like yeah. the table wasn't that scratched up. It could have been much worse. There was one point where it kind of got away from us a bit, but we managed. I I, I, I feel like there's a business metaphor in there. Absolutely. Can Absolutely. I lie everything? That's exactly <laughs> what it is. I, I I used to do like a ton of stand up comedy, right? And watching that video was why the pubs would never move the billiard table. Like when you say, oh, can we move the billiard table out of the way? Nah, mate, nah. You just, like, there was, that was the one thing you could never alter. But, um, yeah, yeah. wow, that was, I was, like, you know when you're, like, you're glad you're not someone else? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I was just picturing you and, like, like the wood was cutting into your hand and, the, like, the stair was, it was just like, oh, this is, I've done that in the airport where you're running late and you know everyone's looking at you and you're the I'm glad I'm not you guy. It's it's yeah. just it's brutal. But yeah. in this in 2021, there was there'd be nothing I'd love more than to run late for a plane. That that I just please, please yeah. give me an opportunity to run late for a plane. Hey, the other thing on, on, on your um YouTube, Nate, I gotta give you props. You are destroying the park. <laughs> what do you mean with my hissy fits or actually skating? 
skating. I, I saw you drop like a backside lip slide on the on the um on the quarter back tail shove. You are except like you're not like settling into your older skateboarder uh, generation. How's that been going? Good. I, I, I learned kicky back tail the other day. I never thought I'd do that ever, ever. I'm actually I've never been better at skating than I am right now. It's it's insane. I'm kind of a bit. I'm kind of having this moment where I was like, I should have gone a bit harder earlier, maybe. <laughs> Whatever. Hey. How, how old are you? I'm 32. Okay. All right. Here's... Could still be time. Could still be time. Um, <laughs> but, um, yes, very inspirational and almost dangerous for me to watch because I'm like, oh, he's doing that. Should I, uh, you know, do just... Um, I've, I've got to contain. I've got to maintain to my, um, my, my body level of commitment. Hey, let's run back. The, the first time I sort of became aware of, of Itch Pig, which is a, a brand out of the western suburbs of Melbourne, which you've been going for about 10 years. But it probably would have been maybe halfway through that when at Shaw we have the big Boxing Day sale and, you know, there's, a, there's like a queue of people to get in. And I used to always stand at the door and, and live my dream of being a thuggish bouncer. And <laughs> to, so, so the shop didn't get overloaded. And I remember one year it was just like so many kids were rocking this brand, Itch Pig. And I, I, I love talking to like, you know, find out what they were into, what they liked about the shop. And, yeah, they just spoke about it so like happily and passionately that, it's sort of um, like before knowing really anything about it, I was sort of like a fan that like these kids related to it like so positively. Do you know what I mean? But um, like take us back to how you guys got going. Oh, yeah, this is the start. That sewing, yeah, two years sewing up dead stock hoodies, purchasing dead stock blanks from local manufacturers around Melbourne cutting them up and creating custom colour-blocked panel hoodies based off sporting culture that we'd seen international in America, based off sneaker culture, um, and just putting together sort of colourways that we grew up with. Even food and stuff like that, like just looking at like, like ice cream shops or whatever and you put together an ice cream colourway or whatever. So you'd buy like old hoodies that, like old new stock from suppliers and then and then like chop them into stripes or diagonals or yeah so our one of our first manufacturers who we still work with now um just had a whole bunch of dead stock hoods from early 2000s that just colors that they couldn't move anymore oh oh, um, oh early 2000 hoods were there a lot of yeah. yellows absolutely i mean all yes. the colors we're all here are yellows orange reds aquas really bright royal blues and um, yeah, and we just sort of knew how to mix colors together and put the crazy colors with the neutrals and make blended colorways. And yeah, the manufacturers they loved us because they could move all of their dead stock colors, and we loved it because we could sort of put them together into crazy uh, paneled hoodies and crewnecks that no one had really seen before. And what sparked that idea to do that? Like, where did you get the the genesis of that? I think it was a fit thing. We were really, we were really heavy into snowboarding at the time, and 
you know, the tall fit thing was really popular in snowboard culture at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, the, the, it was basically a way to make, yeah, make the garments taller. You know, you, you chop it in half, you add this middle panel, you mix and match the bottoms and tops and middles, make these crazy colorways, and it made a kind of taller fit that suited our aesthetic and our body shape. And that's where we started. We started with colorway and fit, and that's kind of been the bedrock of the brand probably ever since, I would say. Like how many could you actually do at a time? And and how, did, like you guys did it yourselves, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a period there where, I mean, in that little four by four metre garage space, we were probably pumping out 30 or 40 a week at the best times. But, I mean, it quickly turned into us needing to get um, a team of outsourced machinists um, and they would help us out with it. But, I mean, we probably made custom... Customs like this out of this gap space for about two years um, until it got a little bit too manic and we had to get into a factory in the West in Tottenham and um, we hired a little team of machinists and we trained them how we wanted it done. Um, that's when things started picking up and you could go to doing hundreds a week um, and that's when that's when things sort of started cranking. And... How are you guys like sell? Like, what platform are you selling them on? Because, as far as I know, you weren't in other retail shops until like kind of recently. We actually didn't have we actually didn't even have a, a website at the time. To be honest, we um we were just hustling on Facebook. Like, just you know, we like I had a personal a personal page Facebook page that we converted into an inch big personal Facebook page, and um, it's just through inboxes and comment sections. We'd post photos of custom one-of-ones that you couldn't get your hands on because it was someone who had ordered it for themselves. And when we posted that photo, it would spark the next 15 or 20 orders because everyone would want that same one. And we'd say, well, no, you can't have that same one because it was a one-of-one. You have to change this. So you have to change the sleeve color. You have to change the hoodie color. Um, And that's what, you know, drove the social engagement then because people would say a comment saying, how can I get this? And then we would hit the comment section saying, you can't get this, but you can do this. And then, you know, that's how the engagement sort of started. And that's how we spread through the socials. So, so people could choose their own colour blocks? Yeah. Yep. It was all custom. It was all bespoke one-on-one stuff. We didn't make the same hoodie twice for, I think it was like 18 to, 18 to 24 months or something like that. Yeah. We refused to do it. That was a big driver of the itch in the name was itchy meaning one in Japanese. Ah. Yep. Nice. So it's me coming together as one. Um, we used to get called pigs a lot when we were traveling in Japan in 2010 because we sort of just did everything and anything we sort of could to get by. Um, <laughs> we were relentless. We were relentlessly yeah. hungry, you know, like just always – if there was a powder day, Alex and I were on – we were on the lift at 8 a.m. on the dot and we were kind of sketching our way to get on that last lift, like begging the lifties to give us one more run or, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I'd rock yeah, up yeah. snowboard instructor lessons, just covered head to toe in snow and the people would be like, so this guy's going to teach me how to snowboard? And I'd just be like, yeah, I'm going to teach you how to get some. You know, like, it was just, we were just like that. I, I, I'm living the lifestyle, buddy. Don't worry about me. I, I was just out there. Um, yeah. Because at Vans, back in the 80s, you could go into a van shop in LA with a fabric and you'd come back like a three days later and they'd have a pair of Vans for you. 
which yep. I, I that like I love that sort of stuff. Like anything that's not like every like 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 paint by numbers sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But how did you guys like know how to do the stitching? Like, did you like we self taught how to do the sewing and stuff like that? Just through everything, through anything DIY. Um, you do it enough times and you get better at it. First, we just made wardrobes of clothing for ourselves and then our friends. And then once we got good at it, we knew we could charge a premium and we knew what it was worth and we knew what each piece, um, we knew we knew each value that each piece had through the time um, that was going into it. And eventually... Just get good at stuff, yeah. You do it long enough. Alex has been pretty humble here. He taught. He he was the brains here. He was the he was the technician. He he knew how to sew quite well. Um, like some of the stitching and some of the detail work that he hand embroidered on a machine, like by eye, was it's insane. It's like I can't even describe it. It's insane. Um, and then he he taught me how to use the overlocker and the sewing machine, and so then I would kind of do the grunt work of like preparing the garments and stuff, getting the middle panel ready, overlocking up the sides and then kind of overlocking the middle guts of it together. And then later I would overlock the arms together and the hoods and we just learned like at the start we couldn't even make hoods and then we learned how to make a hoodie and make a template and then sew it into the crew neck. And it was all kinds of things like, and, and little things that you wouldn't even like think about, like, you know, when, when we snapped a needle on the overlock or when we mucked up the thread on the overlocker, like I remember spending two hours trying to r- figure out how to re-thread an overlocker. And, and YouTube wasn't like what it is now. Like you couldn't, you can't, you couldn't just type in oh, how, how to re- re-thread Orion overlocker. You couldn't do that back then. I literally remember just sitting there for hours trying to figure it out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you're a bit more honest about it, Nate, because when you were like, how do you know how, oh, you know, DIY, and I'm like, I, I, am I weird that I didn't learn to sew in all my, in my, my, yeah. So I'm glad you're actually acknowledging that it's a skill that I shouldn't well, know. Yeah. It's more about me than anything. I don't want to feel incompetent. It's but, a skill you can learn and you can get better at it. You just, you know, we were doing it a lot. Like we were doing it a hell of a lot. Like we spent a whole summer in that four by four factory, just smashing out hoodies. Um, <laughs> Not, no. not learning backtail, shove it out. No. no. <laughs> I was a shit skater back then. Ah, so now the bitterness comes out about what held you back. Absolutely. We were, we were good at snowboarding, but, yeah, skating not so much. There was a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. A lot of sacrifice Jeez. in this brand. Nate, it. it, it's better to own the brand than be sponsored by the brand, trust me. Yeah. That's yeah. a fair point. Yeah, it's fair point. The... Um, is like because now you guys use like a lot of like factories around Melbourne and stuff. Yeah. Is um like Alex having such skill in it? Is that a, a blessing or a curse when you go around to check how um the work's getting done? Um, it's okay. I can communicate with the head machinist, and I know I know how her brain works. And so as long as I can communicate with her, I know she can deliver the message to the rest of the machinists. Uh-huh. Uh, because it is a pretty big operation now. It's not just five or ten uh, seamstress. You know, there's some of our factories have upwards of 40, 45 machinists. So 
as long as you can talk to the head machinist in charge, she can deliver the message that's needed for the production line to operate how it needs to. Um, so I think just knowing the language um, and knowing everything about garment construction, it definitely helps the overall process for sure. Yeah, the um, watching the the videos of you go around to the factories and stuff. Like I used to uh, do a brand that uh, a lot of it was made in Melbourne. It was called Spire back sort of the two thousands, and oh, ta, and there was um such a romance of going to the factories and, and, and seeing the panels. And I didn't have that knowledge that you did. I said I had someone working with me that did, but um, it's from what I gather, it's pretty few and far between now in Melbourne. And, and maybe you guys are sort of holding the candle for everyone else. Yeah, they're, um, they're definitely dropping off faster than they're popping up. That's for sure. Um, but the ones that are still here, you just really have to make sure you give them adequate work. Um, and it's sort of up to us as a brand to give them achievable work. Um, you can't go and deliver them 200 one-of-ones. It's just not how production works. So you need to be designing in accordance to um, the capabilities that the industry actually has here. And if you want to produce something new and innovative, it's up to you to train the machinists and it's up to you to reteach a lot of the seamstress and a lot of the cutters how to produce garments like that. Um, you can't just expect them to just know on the fly um, how to produce these garments because it's just not like that anymore, unfortunately. How, like, going from you guys as doing it and, and then sort of building up uh, like, like a factory scenario, what sort of like to make those jumps from mass producing, not mass producing, but like comparatively to one of one to maybe doing like 180, like was, was that a hard decision to make or would that sort of like flow pretty organically? Because I know like a lot of times brands and especially ones ran by partners with a lot of passion, like sometimes like those sort of growing pains can uh, be difficult. Yeah, it was hard. I think it is hard. It's still it hard. hard. Yeah, I, I do. I do have to say, for those just listening to the podcast, they just gave each other a very a, a slow turn to each other to see how that was going to get answered. How so are we going to? How are we going to answer this one? Yeah, I mean, look, a part of us would probably love to still be in a four by four meter garage in, you know, the western suburbs, just making one hoodie, you know, every couple of hours, and finish the day off with four or five hoods and be happy. But, um, you know, the brand does have an underlying um, hunger for progression and that sort of stems with me and Nate and our personalities. And unfortunately, the one-of-one culture, it's not really scalable. And we Mm. found that out in 2014, 2015, when we were just, you know, 50 hoodies, 50 custom hoodies a week turned into 100, turned into 150, turned into... 200 one-of-ones every single week, week after week, winter on winter, and it was just, it was meltdown. It was absolutely meltdown. We had the factory set up like um, like a restaurant, like a fast food outlet. We would have the sleeves pre-cut in all 15 colours, all five sizes separated out in tubs. We had the torsos separated. We had the hood panels over there. We had the pockets over there. 
Um, we had the cords, we had the eyelets, we had everything separated out and you would walk around in a circle and you would grab all the pieces you needed for the order. The order would say red sleeves, black hood, oh. and you'd grab the pieces and it was just like this, a circle all day. And it was mayhem. Because I was j- just the logistics of getting a spreadsheet with those 200 colours sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it was hectic. There was no yeah. spreadsheet. It was all in our head. There was some, <laughs> some years we'd rock up to, like, the old Sneaker Freaker events that were held at Port Melbourne at Globe. Yeah, we'd yeah, yeah. there with, like, 150 custom one-of-one hoodies that we spent two or three weeks building and working. And we'd go there on the day, and they would just all fly off. They'd be gone. There'd be people there that knew what colorways we'd post throughout the week. They knew those colorways would be there. They knew what size they were in. They were like, yep, cool, that's the one I want. But there's only one of them, so you've got to get there early. Mm. Um, so, I mean, sometimes we'd like to go back to days like that, but I think we produce a far superior product now than what we did back then, that's for sure. And we provide greater opportunities for more people. That, 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 that type of model was so labour-intensive and unfortunately not that profitable. Like, it's profitable for me and Alex when it's just me, Alex, and a couple other staff because, you know, Alex and I just factor in our time as whatever. Yeah. You know, our time is X, you know. But, you know, once you kind of have people relying on the brand for, you know, their, their, their living way, way of life, um, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to think about it a bit differently. You've got to start being a bit more savvy. And that was one of the hardest things, one of the biggest decisions the brand makes. But something that we pride ourselves on is our flexibility, you know, like, Cutting that custom thing out was like we basically removed our leg. Like that was one of the pillars of itch pig. Getting rid of that was like we copped a lot of backlash over that too. Yeah, it was a big risk, but we had to. We wanted as you get a little bit older, you you have the need and you feel like you want to try to sustain more people than just yourself. Hmm. And custom custom colorway panel hoodies sustained me and Nate for a good four years. Um, but to try to sustain um, other people um, and other staff and fuel the industry more and further. So where are you guys at now? You've got uh, your store out in... Uh, We're out in Brunswick now. So we moved our factory out to Brunswick, much closer to um, the manufacturing industry. Um, So we've got a big factory space in in Brunswick. Matt has a little factory store, a little showroom. What are you doing? That's where that skate park is as well. Yeah, skate park's there too. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I've, I, I see that on Instagram all the time, and, I, and I'm still here, stuck in LA. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I've got my lines working out, working out. Do you know what I mean? What I can uh, lay down there for that inevitable invite, you guys. Just Absolutely. so you've just, as far as I, I, I know, just recently sort of gone into other retail stores like ours. Like, what was sort of like, I feel like that would have been a big decision because it changes sort of like a lot of the economics of how you operate. Yeah, it's been, it's challenging. Not, I, I will be honest with you, like, probably shouldn't say this, but it's not like it's the biggest money-making exercise. It's, you know, we're, like, you know what it's like. We're making things here, you know, and we're mm. selling things at the same price or similar to to a lot of other brands that you've got in that store, but, those other brands are not making for the same price. They're not paying people ethically. They're paying people, you know, whatever it is. But it's not the same as us. 
So mm. it's been tricky. Um, but, you know, it's like we feel like we want to be more involved in the culture, get the brand awareness out there a bit more. Um, so we decided to do it. And, you know, we're just kind of dabbling in it and seeing how it goes, I guess. But, it is, yeah, it is tricky. It's very tricky. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you're tricking along. It's super cool to have, like, you know, a, a local brand like yours that is, like, so, like, solid. You guys are so passionate about it. It's, like, it's, like it, it's a cool thing for everyone. So, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're going with the trick. I'm glad I'm got, you're going with the trick. But where do you guys – so, so is, is the store, like, your store the main, like – point of contact for the brand or is it the web store or it's definitely the online store yeah um, we made the move in 2017 to become heavily focused online um there was a period there where we had a store in chapel street we had a, actually had a little pop-up in perth that turned that was really successful so we ended up turning what was supposed to be a four-week pop-up into you know a six-month stay um we've had stores in brunswick as well but we just pulled them all back focused online um, and we just, we've always had a show space, um, at our office and our warehouse, mainly because when we hold events, um, people that come to the events like to look through the range and that's pretty much, um, the best physical offering of the entire, um, HP range. Um, but as you know yourself, the wholesalers are starting to really, um, get their hands on good parts of the range. So, I mean, these days, if you go to any of the stockists, um, any of the wholesale stockers, you'll get a good crack at, at the HP range for sure. Yeah, I sort of, like, I think it's rad that we've got the spot in the city. We're trying to cover, you know, a fair amount of the range so people can sort of come in and, you know, have the, now that touching is legal again, let's Absolutely. touch, you know? Why not? Why wouldn't you want to touch yep. some, some fabrics in a retail environment? Where did you guys, like, when, when you were sort of, like, in high school and stuff, what, what shops and what brands did you hit up? Oh, it's always been Fast Times, really. Yeah, Fast Times or PSC when it was back PSC. Globe Sales, we'd go to the yeah, Globe Sales. Yeah, we rinsed them. <laughs> rinsed them. Were they on Nicholson? I think they were always on was, Nicholson. There was one on, yeah, there was one on Nicholson. They had one on Brunswick yeah, Street. Yeah. Then there was that one in down in Port Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. We rinsed the Globe Sales a lot. Yeah, the one the one they used to have near IKEA, like near their old base where the Terminus yeah. Hotel was, that was I remember that just being like an endless sea of Echo Unlimited. It was yeah, we, we, we rinsed that. and Stussy and like yeah. Dark Star and all those kinds of <laughs> industries. Yeah, all those labels. That was sort of what we grew up on. Is just sort of those, I suppose, almost non-existent skate brands now. But yeah, Globe Globe's kind of yeah. Knocked them off, but yeah. we also started this thing. I was nineteen, and Nate, you were like twenty-one. So, right from then for the last ten years, it's really the only brand we've we've worn. Um, through necessity is what drives a lot of our design. So, if we say we want um, cargo pants, we'll we'll make them, we'll design them. If we say we want spray pants or spray jackets, we'll have to design them and come up with them. Um, so, through necessity is what drives a lot of the garment development that we go through. So, and we do a lot of stuff like without sound like cockheads, like, you know, we were pretty, pretty into snowboarding. Like we, we got, we got to a pretty, don't, 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 don't stuff shame yourself. No, but you that's know, like, him. He can take that. He can take that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, we do a lot of snowboarding, play a lot of basketball, we skate, I like surfs. I used to surf a lot. You try, know, like try to surf. Just put that in there. Yeah, tries to surf. It's pretty hard to do it at, what is it, 97, 8, 98 kegs? Yeah, it's hard to do it when you're heavy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, again, like, as all these situations kind of come about, we thought, well, let's see if we can wear each pig whilst doing it, you know, going on dates or doing this or doing that or whatever, right? So that's kind of a lot of how I'm married. Day. I haven't been on a date for 10 years, just to put that out there. <laughs> All right, well, he's, he's left his date pants at home. Dates on him as well. Dates on him. Yes, I'm not a kid. I'm not having a date anytime soon. Sure, so why? We shouldn't even say the word date. You know what? Delete the word date. <laughs> no censorship on the internet. We've sort of travelled up to now, but where, where do you guys sort of hope to see the brand? Like, like uh, you know, what, what sort of your... The, the ideal expansion, like like other countries into Japan or America, around Australia. Yeah, I would I would love for I mean hopefully when borders open up completely, but I would love when international travellers come to Melbourne. Um, walking away with an itch big hoodie is something that they just know they have to do. They've read it on the internet. Um, there's enough press around the brand. And it's enough of a bedrock of the Melbourne clothing culture mm-hmm. that anyone that comes to this city knows they have to leave with an itch big hoodie. That's sort of what I would love to envision in the next five or ten years. I um, that that, that is a good goal. That is yeah. uh, that that signifies a lot of things around it. I just um, want to come here and see enough of it and be like, what is this? Everyone here is wearing it. It's obviously suited to the climate. It's obviously suited to the clothing culture here in Melbourne. I have to take this home with me to explain to people back at home, this is what people wore. Yeah, and there's a lot of places around the world that have, like, that sort of thing for culture. Like, like, like for me, if I'm going to San Francisco, you better believe I'm getting an FTC T-shirt from, like, the skate shop FTC or, you know, like, like, like back sort of in the late 90s, no, it was the late 90s, mid-2000s maybe, but when Undefeated just opened in LA, it was like, you know, you went you went there and got a T-shirt just to... Yeah, as a, you have to. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I, I like that's a, um, that that sort of achievement means a lot, that you've sort of become, to one part of the culture, uh, like, a, like a tourist attraction in a yeah. way. Absolutely. It's being globally recognised and that's sort of, um, that's definitely a goal of ours. Yeah. I, I know when um, I'm, I'm in the shop and, you know, people come over from Perth or a lot, of, a lot of people from Perth and they're like, oh, yeah, we've, you know, we order online but we've always wanted to come in and, you know, they load up. It's like, oh, this is part of the things you were looking forward to? That's sick. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's, um, it, it's, it's a good thing. What, what about you, Nate? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we share the goal, I guess probably on top of that with that success is to kind of keep giving people opportunities. I really like giving people a crack at things, you know, I really like, I like, you know, saying to someone, you know, here's your little thing, grow it, you know, see what you can do with it. You know, here's an aspect of the brand that needs development that we want to kind of get into or we're interested in. Mm-hmm. Here, it is. go go take it and run with it. 
I want to give more of that opportunity to people. Give people, just yeah, give the brand, use the brand's platform to give themselves a springboard. You know, that's that's something I always wanted and craved at a young age when I was, you know, like 18, 19 or whatever. Um, so I'd like to do that with other people. I thought you were going to say sugar canes in the skate park, but that's just... just I have been, I've been thinking about them a bit, but... I, I reckon I, you've got them, man. I reckon you've got them. No one skates tranny anymore, so I just... I'm, I'm skating street, so I've got more people to skate with. Tranny's dead, unfortunately. Oh, not here, it's not. No, not there, it's not. Bloody hell. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Tranny's um, definitely not dead over there. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's been great to uh, finally get to meet and, and have a chat with you guys. Um, I guess let the uh, the good people of the internet know where they can like follow your uh, progress and adventures and backside lip slides on uh, social media and web and all that sort of stuff. Definitely on Instagram, Inchpig, I-C-H-P-I-G. And um, our blog, it's updated pretty regularly on the website um that's a really good spot to check everything out as well yeah um, www.itchpig.com then yeah. if you want to follow someone lifting really heavy shit look on <laughs> air orton on instagram just air orton and then if you want to see someone trying to slide shit on their skateboard just look up jerry x swinefeld Excellent. I will. I, I follow with great envy of uh, of, of those manoeuvres. And and also on, on YouTube, if you want to see a billiard table get moved in, yeah. if you want to find out how not to do it. Yeah, watch us. If, yeah. It, watch it in reverse, and that's how you yeah. do it. No, that doesn't work either. Just, yeah. I don't know. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us. And uh, if you are watching, hit like on YouTube. If you're on iTunes, give us a sweet five-star review. We've got other episodes up. One with Geraldine Hickey, Melbourne comedian that just won Best Show at the Comedy Festival. So we picked it. Uh, Danny Way, pro skater, Dilruk Jaya Singer. Uh, That is all wherever podcasts and YouTubes are watched. Thank you guys so much and uh, see you in the shop.